0: I, I never want to it's hard um, you fight that but I don't ever want to make somebody feel like they're being forced or guilt or nothing like that because that, that doesn't help but I notice at times we mentioned some people stood up and testified because of what Lyle said But I wonder how many often that God tugs at our heartstrings to come to the altar as adults to pray and we don't come. A lot of kids up here in this altar this morning weren't very many adults. And I wonder sometimes things like that if God doesn't want to do something uh, in not just your heart but maybe someone else's. And and there's there's sometimes I've went to the altar to pray in my life, especially during an altar call, I'll be honest with you, God really wasn't dealing with me that much, but I knew He was with other people. And I would go just to break the ice. I thought if somebody needs to somebody go to the altar first, and I'll be the one to go first. Um, and I'm not saying you got to do that. I'm just simply saying, I wonder at times, though, how often just something that simple that God tells us to do, and we find a reason not to. Um, that's not the message. Uh, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to back up all the way as we preach to verse 15 of chapter 7, but turn to Romans chapter 8 right now. I will try to get through this as quickly as I can, but yet preach the message, uh, because it's a bit late, and I don't want you to get out of here super late, and we probably shouldn't worry about things like that, but I'm also mindful that, brother, um, we like it or not, we live in a watch-clock uh, society. And uh, as Americans, we, uh, we focus too much on that, me included. I heard a missionary from Philippines one time, a pastor from Philippines, and he was true in what he said. He said, the only time you Americans don't get in a hurry is when you sit down to eat. <laughs> and he, he had a pretty valid point, I'll be honest with you. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Everybody there? The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That's just mind staggering to me. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day that you've given us and for this time together. For this opportunity to call on you. Lord, I so thank you that God, that uh, you're a, you're the God of this universe, you created all of this from nothing, and, let, and yet you allow us to come to you with confidence—not just walk into your presence, but God, with with assurance. And it's only because of Jesus. It's not anything I've done. Help me to never think that, God, I love you and I praise you and I thank you, Lord. Uh, I I need you, Holy Spirit. You know that. Uh, there's a lot that goes into these few verses I just read. It's bigger than me. Sometimes, Lord, there are some messages that stretches me. Uh, and God, I feel like some ways this is one of them. So, Lord, I pray that you help us this morning. Help me explain this, Lord, that it's understandable and, God, relatable when people can grasp onto it. Not that I'm that deep or I'm that smart, but, God, I need your help because the Bible is. In Jesus' your name we pray, amen. Real quickly before I get too into this a title or a text for this this morning, whatever would be no more, just simply no more. And you'll understand that as we go through this. If you study and read Romans, you'll find that the first few chapters, Paul was talking about how our sin and our flesh condemns us. In chapter six, he tells us that. Chapter seven, he basically tells us that it's as though we have no hope. I mean, he's saying that the this, this sin that I deal with, this flesh that I deal with. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, I do my best to do right and I always do wrong. And I want to pick up verse 15 of chapter seven for a kind of a long introduction, but it won't be too bad. And let me paint you the picture of what he's painting here. The first seven chapters of the book of Romans, spirit is mentioned four times in reference whether it be Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, however the Bible translates it certain verses, or our spirit or whatever. In chapter 8 alone, I think he's mentioned like 15, 17, 18 times. Uh, so chapter 8 totally turns the page and starts giving us hope from this condemnation that we have, from the death sentence, the death penalty of our sin. Now also, the picture that Paul is trying to paint here uh, if you study this out a little more depth and detail, and I'm not going to go into too much depth on this, but in the Bible times in Romans, they would do this. If you heard me say the Romans were just ruthless people. Uh, realistically, America is probably one of the most Roman-like colonies or civilization that has been since the Romans. But folks, we don't really want to admit that. You've heard me say this many times. They went to the Coliseum, we go to the movie theater. I mean, it's the same difference. And I like boxing, I like fighting, I'm sorry, I like to watch that. I don't watch it hardly much anymore because God kind of convicted me. But the the mixed martial arts, uh, I mean, there's not much difference. But one of the punishments, they had some really deranged ideas of punishment back in medieval times. They would take a dead corpse and tie it on someone and you had to walk around that dead corpse on you. That was your punishment. Sometimes maybe for two days, sometimes for two weeks, sometimes until it just decayed plumb off of you. Now I, I want to tell and and I want to say this uh, as the best way I can and know how. I can't imagine something stinking and more, more putrid much more than that right there. Right. Imagine a 90 degree day and you're out walking around with a dead corpse hanging off of you. That was some of the punishment. And the picture that Paul is trying to paint here that he's telling us, explaining to us our flesh, uh, the, 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 the awfulness of it, the wretchedness of it, that in his essence is what he's comparing it to. As, you, as we walk around with this flesh and it, gives, it paints a picture of our flesh as dead, the sin that has decayed us and condemned us right. is what he's getting at. Now in verse 15, he says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. but what I hate, that do I. In other words, he's saying, everything that I tell myself I'm not gonna do, I turn around and do it. And the things that I wanna do for God, it seems like I don't do those. He says, if then I that do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. In other words, the law's not the problem. He says, now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And again, uh, the story here is that a wretched man, that uh, rotting corpse on us, that is the picture of sin in you and I. Uh, yes, uh, and, and I agree to 100% with what Morgan said in his Sunday school class, uh, Sunday mornings is the hardest for me to get out of beds most of the time. Uh, I mean I can set my alarm for eight o'clock and notice I, most of you are up and going by then probably. I'm not a morning person, you all know that. Uh but I and it's a fight and a struggle. I mean it takes everything in me. Finally about fifteen or nine or something, I jump up out of bed, ten or nine, sometimes nine. And then I gotta rush and go as hard as I can go. Amber's scrambling, the kids are laying there and we're trying to get them up and moving. But as Satan puts it in our minds. say, why don't you just wait and go to Worship service, you don't have to worry about Sunday school. And there's so many other things he does that. Our sin nature is there to degrade and Satan is there to help it do that. He says, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which I, is good I find not. He says, I wanna do right, the will is there, the desire is there, but I don't know how to do it. I'm trying to do right, but it seemed like I struggle." He says, for the good that I would, I do not, but to evil which I would not, that I do. In other words, again, he's saying, the things I don't want to do, and I tell myself not to do, and I know it's wrong, I end up doing it. And the will of God, he said, I, I can't, it seem like I can't get it done. He says, now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I do good, would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He's saying, in other words, Holy Spirit inside of me delights in the law of God. The inward man does. And he said, anytime I do good, evil's present with me. In other words, this flesh, this old sin nature that we have is always there to bring you back down to earth, so to speak. Uh, It's always there to counteract everything God wants to do in our life. It's always there to fight against us. Whether we realize this or not, uh, spiritually speaking, uh, our sin nature, our flesh is not your friend. It's not God's friend. So he says, I find then a law. And And then he goes on to say in verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the uh, warning against the law of my mind and bring me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members so in other words he said in my mind I'm saying God I see your law I know what I need to do the Bible tells me to do this do that but I, I find that I, I'm it's like I'm taken captive by this other law uh, it's a war inside of me and it brings me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members notice the word captivity there Sin will bring you into bondage and capture you. Sin is not uh, freedom, folks. Satan would have you believe it's freedom to sin. It's not. Freedom to do your own thing. Freedom to do what you think is right. Folks, that's not freedom. That's bondage to this flesh. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He said, who shall deliver me? Now, keep in mind, from the body of this death, so you got this corpse hanging off of you. Have you ever driven down the road and you see an animal that's in, especially in the summertime that's been run over and it's there after about three days? Man, that baby gets rank, don't it? And about, you by about two days later and it's even more rank. Imagine dragging that around with you. You would want delivered from that. You would want that away from you. Get this nasty thing off me. Now, let me get it even further. Let me really make it real Nice. Imagine the pus and the blood and the junk running out of that thing all over you. Woo! Boy, she's getting real now, ain't she? Imagine picking it up and all the, the fluids and all the junk and, the, and the, the infection and all the stuff coming out of that running down your body. That's what sin is, church. And that's what Paul was trying to say. And Whether you all, we as Christians, want to see this or not, that is our old nature in the eyes of God. And when I do wrong, that's what it is in God's nostrils. Now I'm forgiven, eternally speaking. But here on earth, my daily walk, I must be renewed and let Holy Spirit control me. Or I pick up that old man. Right. Amen. Now, chapter eight. Let me uh, try to preach to you here just for a few minutes, and we'll be done. He says, "There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit." This is not a contradiction. Some people use this verse to say that if you don't maintain your Christian walk, that you'll lose your salvation. Folks, that's not what the Bible is saying right here. What he's getting at, and point number one, he says, there is no more condemnation for sin. Number one, there is no more condemnation for sin. In other words, my sin, as far as eternally speaking of salvation goes, is taken care of. I am not condemned to die. Sometimes when that corpse was laid on someone, they would actually do that until they actually, the person carrying the corpse died. They would die of infection. They would die of all these, whatever it may be. And their sentence was death. And that is how they were sentenced to death. You understand, you and I are not sentenced to death. And that is what he's speaking about. I am not condemned to death. Thank God, because of Jesus Christ, I have been born again. And I don't have to worry about that anymore. Now, let me give you a quick illustration and we'll move on. He said, just... Uh, many times in the Bible Paul uses the phrase in Christ, in Christ you see that a lot here he says in Christ Jesus in his writings and he uses this many times because you and I are in Christ Uh, just as Noah went into the ark and we hear this uh, so often and the Bible says God shut the door Noah didn't shut the door if Noah didn't shut the door guess who can't open the door? And he didn't drive nails through the wall and say, no, Noah, you and your family grab onto to that peg and you hold on with all you've got. Because if you let go, you'll drown. He didn't do that to them. God shut the door. Noah was obedient in how he built the ark. He did it the way God said to. And God was obedient in what he said he would do and he took care of Noah. God says you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess Him with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you'll be saved. If you do your part, God will do His part. And God will put you inside. He'll bring you in his kingdom. He'll seal you to the day of death. You're no longer condemned to die. Do you understand? Oh, thank God. That sinful flesh, that corpse that's on you has been cut loose and cut free. And you have been uh, relieved. And you have been uh, redeemed back out of sin death. And you are now alive and free in Jesus Christ. And God has given us this victory over sin and death. And you and I must grab on to that and hang on to that. not on the fact that your condemnation is taken care of it's done I don't have to worry about that anymore there's no more condemnation to them who are born again to them who walk in Christ Jesus because here's the thing if you walk after the spirit you're in Christ Jesus verse 2 He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So number two, there is no more control by sin. We are, according to the Bible, dead to sin and the law. Do you understand we're controlled by a higher power? We should be. Let me try very briefly to explain this, and I'm trying to move quick, but there's so much I want to need to say on these. Um, Let me do this first. Let me—I'm trying to dig a quarter out of my pocket. I put other things in here. Should have just left the quarter. There are certain laws in life that won't be broken. Now, we had a God gave us a law. God knew we weren't going to keep it. It was not that He asked something that was unfair in a sense, but He knew we would not be able to keep it. So He gave us Jesus in the flesh to defeat the law or complete the law and defeat sin in the flesh. And we're gonna talk more about this in just a minute. Now this quarter right here, if I hold it up and drop it, the law of gravity takes over and it falls. There's no way to change this. There's no way to defeat this. It is the way it is. But I have the ability and the power as this quarter falls to catch this quarter. I missed it. I'll just do it this way. I can pick this quarter up and I have the ability to defeat the laws of gravity with this quarter. You see, that is why you can only lift so much because that's how weight actually works. It weighs so much and the laws of gravity says picking this pew up is a whole lot harder than picking this quarter up. The law of sin was greater than than any of us. And so something greater than that had to pick me up out of the law of sin. The law of death was greater than anybody else. I read where some scientist or doctor claims he's figured out a way that we can live 200 and some years. I don't know about you, I don't want to be stuck in this body for 200 and some years. It hurts too much. I don't like it sometimes. I don't enjoy it sometimes. I don't like getting sick. And so it took something greater than the law of death to defeat death. And it took Jesus Christ to do that, him and only him. And the law that God gave us that we could not live up to, he did not only as an example, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but as a, as a possibility of defeat in that area. Now, here's the difference. You and I, as Christians, have the power to choose. Amen. This quarter cannot choose what it does. If I release it, it drops. It does not have any choice, it is totally subject to the law of gravity. God gave you and I a choice. Even though after we're saved, we still have a will. Now, your will is not as free as it was before you were saved because you are bought with a price. You belong to somebody else now. You're no longer your own, the Bible says. You're bought with a price. But God still gives us a free will. And your fellowship And your peace with God depends on your free will. Sometimes the Bible, Jesus said over and over in Revelations, we've heard it a lot on Wednesday nights, he that hath an ear, let him hear. The reason some people don't hear certain things in church is because they don't have enough spiritual ear to hear it. They're too carnal. They're they're living too far from God. And so some people will get things from a message that others can't or won't because of where they're at spiritually. We got too many people that say, I believe, Satan is born again and they never grow much as a Christian. They stay as a baby in Christ. And they don't have spiritual ears to hear certain things. So it took Jesus to defeat the law of sin, death, hell, and the grave. We hear those things. And because of that, he, he gave us his righteousness. He, he put his righteousness inside of us so we can be obedient to God and live and honor him and not be under the penalty of law of sin. Even though the old man flesh is still alive and active, even though the sin nature is still there, it is not an excuse to obey sin because a greater power has lifted us up out of that and given us power to defeat sin and not live under its curse and under its bondage. Amen. You and I make choices that put us back there And most of the time before the act is committed, a choice was made before that. A choice to allow a thought to be entertained. A small act, whatever it may be. And those are easy to justify because we don't see that as a big deal, but then the next thing you know, you're up to your eyeballs in sin. It's like, man, now I'm in trouble. He's given us the power to overcome that, to defeat that. But you and I must rely on Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is getting at here in chapter seven. He says, I cannot do what's right only by God's Holy Spirit power can I do what I wanna do. Number three, and we'll try to get this wrapped up here. I need about two hours, but... For what the law could not do, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now see, it's not the law, it's not the problem. The problem with the law was it could not save. It only condemned. But it took Jesus Christ to live out the law, live the perfect sinless life to give us that ability to fulfill that in us. In the end of verse four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So there it is again. But it has a little bit different meaning this time. Number three, there should be no more continuance in sin. Number one, there is no more condemnation for sin. Number two, there is no more control by sin. You're, you're this control of the sin nature has been broken in you by Jesus Christ. Amen. Three, there should be no more continuance in sin. Now the law condemns us. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here that you may never heard before. The perfect life of, of Jesus condemns us also. Amen. You understand that? Because he proved the law could be followed. So that further condemns us. Let me say something. You listen to what I'm gonna say. Don't go out here and say the opposite of what this preacher said. We are under no obligation to obey God in our own power. Let me read this again. We are under no obligation to obey God in our own power. We can't. If you're doing it in your power and your ability... You're doing it for you. And it's your righteousness. It's your works that's doing that, not God working in you through Holy Spirit. Now don't go out and say this preacher said we're not under obligation to obey God because that's not what I said. It's not even close to what I said. When I say in your own power, let's go back to what Paul was saying in chapter seven. Before I was born again, I could not... Please, God. After I was born again, there's times I still don't, but I then had the ability to because the Bible tells us our righteousness is as filthy rags. You think of uh, somebody, a wound, somebody's been bandaged up and it's all, ooh yeah, they could take one of them dead animals and bandage, bandage up that dead animal been laying on the road for about four or five days then take that bandage off what that would look like and smell like. That's our righteousness in God's eyes before we're saved. after I'm saved, Holy Spirit dwells in the second I believe and I'm born again. And it's it's Jesus Christ's righteousness through that that allows me to be then obedient to God and want to please God and do what God says, even if I don't agree with it. You see, kids, let me pause here just for a minute. Brother, you want to go along with what your parents says not listen up, kids. Somebody ain't listening to me. Whether you want to listen to what your parents says or not, you're obligated to for what the, God says to do, what the Bible says. They are your master. This is God is our master. And you're to listen to what your parents tell you, whether you like it or not. Don't throw it up at them, this and that. You know, when I was a teenager, I knew everything, too. I knew it all. My parents were dumber than dirt. My grandparents were dumber than they were. They were old and senile. They didn't get it. And you know what I'm amazed by? The older I get, the smarter my grandparents and my parents get. And I found out they ain't as dumb and senile as I thought they were. Are y'all listening? We got one of you. I wish the rest of the teens were here. I don't even remember why was that now. Do what? What part of it? Do what? Obedience. If we're not obedient to Holy Spirit, you're not pleasing God. The Bible says anything that is not of faith is a sin. That is why another reason it's impossible to please God in your own power. In other words, what you think, what you desire. Because if I gotta look at somebody. If if, if your desire it's something, your idea, it's probably not God's. Now God does put ideas in our head. He does lead us and guide us but that is where we must be obedient to Holy Spirit and willing to listen to Him and read our Bibles and pray so we know when Holy Spirit's talking instead of us. I'll tell you this story real quick and, I, and I'm wrapping her down here. Was, and I'm not trying to talk bad about this young man. Uh, he's a fine young man. We were at another church camp, not the one we go to now, different one years ago, and God was moving that last night. I mean, man, people was coming to the altar, people was shouting, people was getting saved. I mean, it was, you could feel God's power and God's presence. And as a young preacher said, I got something to say. And I said, you sure it's from God? He said, yes. I said, you gotta be sure. He said, I'm positive God gave me this to say. I said, okay. So I handed him the mic and turned him loose. In about two minutes, he killed that service. Absolutely just poured ice cold water on it. It was over. Afterwards, he felt terrible. I mean, he went off by himself. He just wanted to crawl in a hole. I understand I've been there. Pastor Jackie went to him and talked to him. He said, do you feel bad? He said, yeah. He said, good. He said, you'll remember next time. There have been times in services something to come to my mind and I might say something, and later on God said, I didn't tell you to say that. Yeah. Right. It's real easy for us to do the thinking and talking. Oh yeah. yeah. wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the law of this death? Amen. It's only Jesus Christ. Amen. There's nothing you can do that's good enough to please God outside of faith in him. It will not work. Now, is he pleased with your actions? That's right, morally right? Yes, he's pleased with that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying obedience to him. Somebody's phone's vibrating. It's okay, it's better than playing all kinds of bells and whistles or something. So we can't please God in our own power. Holy Spirit gives us power to obey God's demands for holiness and only him. So let me ask you a question. Do you realize that you're saved only by the power of Jesus Christ? Only by him? There's nothing you can do to merit that kind of favor. And the only way to please God or honor God or serve God after salvation is by trusting in what Holy Spirit tells you to do. That's having faith in God and what this Bible tells us to do no matter how hard or impossible it may seem or how much we don't want to do it. There have been times that I didn't want to do what the Bible said, and I didn't want to do what I knew Holy Spirit was telling me to do, but I had to do it. And in the end, I'm so thankful I did. I'm so thankful that I did. At the time, sometimes it wasn't joyous, but I'm so thankful later on I did. You know, when you pleased Him, is when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, and when that eye is over with you, you can his presence man it's almost like he just puts his stamp of approval on it says that pleased me that pleased me Father we thank you again for this time together Lord I didn't explain this nowhere near the way it needed to be but God I tried uh, to obey you and give what I felt like you give me Lord I pray that I was obedient to you and I followed your leadership and your direction in how to preach this Lord, I ask you now to deal with hearts as you see fit and necessary. Touch those, God, that maybe needs to come to this altar for any reason, whatever the case may be. Maybe someone watching uh, on the live stream, God, that you've spoken to. Lord, please do something in their life and in their heart. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' your name we pray and amen. Let's all stand so we get a song of invitation.